What is up? Thank you for joining us. We are live from the Golden Nugget Casino. The Nug. The Nug. <laughs> So quick reminder, stop searching for the host you want, love the host you've got. I'm Jabron Maciel, this is Life in Jiu-Jitsu. This week we are bringing Moist Ryan Johnson to the air. <laughs> Can't get rid of that name, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bringing wetness to the mat since, what did we meet in 2011? Yeah, dropping the dew point. Let's see. 2010? 2010? 2011? Yeah, at least 2010. Yeah, over at Andre's. You know what's funny about that academy is it was like shaped... Like a rhombus, the mat space. Rhombus? Well, it's weird. It's like a corner studio. Yeah, it's a corner studio, right? Yeah, it was like one rectangle yeah. going one way, then another rectangle like going the other Tetris way. Tetris piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, he would make us run around the Tetris piece behind like the the bag. Yeah, like one lap <laughs> have like seven turns. Yeah, <laughs> it was a total mat space of like eight hundred square feet. It was, it was yeah. small. He was, he's old school too. He's like super old school jujitsu. He's gonna like all the, the cartwheels. Oh, the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> really improved my jujitsu. You don't believe in the cartwheels? I think it's good for like dexterity, like body awareness. I think I probably reached a point of diminishing returns with the shrimps. I think mm. that there's nothing I can really gain from shrimping more. Or yeah, like yeah. Running in a circle, I can't. Davin and I talked about this like for a while and I was like dude you know respectfully to everyone running the class I I feel like you know one more shrimp isn't going to make me better you know yeah and it, it might even perhaps wear away at an old man's back <laughs> you know my joints and, and it's certainly wearing away at my spirit yeah you know but I don't, you know I don't know like that, that's that's been something that I've been thinking about because um you know, martial arts, you kind of have to, like, cultivate that martial spirit of austerity. And I am so comfortable in every other aspect of my life. You know, I wanted a new car. I went out and I bought a new car. I wanted a house. I went out and I bought a house. You know, I've got a fiancé. We're getting married. She's a dime. I love her. I have time for... Like, everything is just kind of as I as I please, you, you know? know? what keeps you grounded, though? What? The shrimps. The shrimps. Fuck yeah! I... <laughs> I feel like you're saying that sarcastically. Ah, uh, no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm like, you don't actually believe that the shrimps keep you down. <laughs> no, there's like a process to it. So you, it's just going through the motions and like, I don't know, it's kind of grounding. You know, I always do the warm-ups when I go to class. Really? I, uh, I skip them like 90% of the time. Really? I just show up. I'm not oh, that just shows up. Well, like, like, if I'm late. I think I'm, like, falling in the man. estimation of Master Dustin because of it. He <laughs> just kind of looks at me like, all right, come on. No, I think there's, a, there's like, a point just doing the process of it. And I go and, like, they're, like, purple belts, brown belts are, like, just they're shooting all doing the it. shit. No, oh. they're just shooting the shit and, like, you know, not doing it. But I jump in. It's, like, me and a bunch of white and blue belts. <laughs> but I think, it's, I think it's important, honestly. Okay, so you do think it's yeah. important. Yeah, I'm struggling with it, but I, um... Since last we spoke, right around the right around when you and I hung out last time was probably yeah. at the peak of my like my recent peak of like jujitsu abilities uh, about a year and a half ago. Yeah. After that, after you left, that was the last time we rolled, and I mopped you up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you met. I think we have different memories of that because I remember. Oh, okay. This we is what, twice. This is what I know about you. Neither and I. of us submit each other. This is what true. I know about us rolling yeah. together. Is like when we go. I have vivid memories of you mopping me up, and I have vivid memories of me mopping you up, and it was like not yeah. close. It wasn't. It was close like wild swings. Oh, that yeah, 
I, I think last time you probably did because yeah. my back was fucked up. Yeah, and you haven't been training for a while. Yeah. And that was at the point where I was training like I was like, like being, I was doing two a days. I was being a huge nerd and like I was trying to get in med school. Yeah, just trying yeah. to get into school and stuff. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> no, I I think that's real though. Like the skill attrition because you just from not practicing. Like when I moved here, I was killing it, and then yeah. since I started school here, I've just been like, I'm lucky if I can train twice a week. Dude, what? I'm like looking for glimmers of the person I used to be. <laughs> yeah it's, it's so bad so like life gets in the way after 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 we hung out that time I um shortly after that I started getting vertigo yeah yeah I remember I started that dude I've been coming at you with some weird medical shit you have what's the heart thing like, the heart thing went away it went away the heart thing went away just uh, for everyone listening out there I was getting these like um these like random chest pains but very concerning it was it was shortly following about of pneumonia and uh, I have a friend of mine whose brother died from a blood clot associated um, with the recovering mm-hmm. pneumonia the clot got into his heart and it killed him weird yeah and so I was like hey Joy what did your brother die of and she's like oh yeah blood clot following pneumonia he was said he was feeling dizzy and just yeah. dropped dead and I was like oh the, oh, the knife is shit <laughs> <laughs> here let, you know what I'm just gonna tell him to go away really do you, do you want to? Do you want to? Yeah, I mean, just okay. save it for later. Okay. You know? Okay. Are we pausing this thing? Is this live? Yeah. You know what? Keep it going so that'll be easier to cut out. All right. Cool. How's it going? Hey, how are you? Pretty good. Thank you. You as well. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's easier to cut out if it's in one piece. We'll just, uh, we'll get some fucking snacks after this. Yeah. yeah. Before we head out. Um. <coughs> so anyways, um, I was, I felt like I was feeling the exact same symptoms. Yeah. And, um. You think you were in your head a little bit? Like maybe it's possible. Yeah. That was your theory. <laughs> yeah. That's what my own doctor wound up telling me, so. Because I was in the process, yeah. I was in the process of, of separating from my job because yeah. because uh, stressful. Now Congressman Gomez is mm-hmm. you know uh, left office, so yeah, it was extremely stressful. I was um, I was probably in my head a little bit, but let me tell you, it felt real. Yeah, you know, I'm I, sure. I'd wake up at night yeah. and it would feel like there was like a boot on. Oh the yeah, it's real symptoms. It's just I feel like it was caused by stress. And I mean, the the problem with delving too deep into those things. It's when you start doing like you did like an echocardiogram or something, dude. I did the thing where they shot me up with contrast and put me in the MRI. Oh yeah, you see an MRI. They probably did an echocardiogram too. Yeah, and they had me and, wear uh, a heart monitor for a month. Yeah. The problem is with that is that everyone's a little different. Their body's a little different. So when they do those tests, they, there's a chance they might find something that's kind of out of the norm. And it doesn't mean it's it's bad. It just means it's a little out of the norm. And then because they found something. That means they have to do the next test and the next test. So it becomes like just a slippery slope. Yeah, it's like you just keep, uh, it's like the lady who ate the fly. Yeah, you just do a bunch of unnecessary tests when it really is just, yeah, your body's a little different than other people's, but it's, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Well, from a, yeah, you know, just to play devil's advocate here, let's, let's yeah. continue exploring that a little bit. From a patient's rights, rage against the machine, down with capitalist pig insurance companies yeah. perspective, <laughs> like, <laughs> Isn't that kind of like gambling with people's lives, like to save a few bucks? No, not really, because the the chances I, they also find just totally devil's advocate here. But yeah, the, the chances they find something are pretty low. 
or like out of the norm or like still low but it's there yeah and uh, I think it benefits insurance companies a little bit to like not do a bunch of unnecessary procedures but then it puts you through a bunch of shit too like there's n- there are risks involved with the contrast and the MRI oh, really? stuff yeah. yeah shit mm-hmm. you know yeah you know when they when I when they shot that contrast into my arm mm-hmm. I kept thinking in my head like this can't be good for you no, it's like it's like a radiation. Radioactive. <laughs> They're injecting radioactive stuff in your blood. <laughs> like it's not good for you. Just so so for everyone that's listening, uh, Ryan is a um, medical student. Ryan's a what? Third year? Third year. Yeah. So just started rotations a couple months ago. Oh, you're a big you're a big boy now. You're like kind of. I feel like you're like treating shit. people now. Well, not re- kind of, but not really. Yeah. Like I'm very much in a learning mode. Okay. Like I, I did pediatrics last month. I did. Uh, so put that down uh, I'm doing gynecology this month which has been really interesting but I also really don't want to do gynecology really? yeah why is that? Uh, I think that you just see one patient population which is kind of boring uh, and then there's the surgical aspect of it well I think that's fascinating I think surgery is really cool I don't want that responsibility yeah. you know I want someone to crash yeah. on the operating table that'd be super stressful could you imagine? oh god no and uh just there's a lot of blood out vaginas and it's just it's just rough man it's like every day there's it's either babies coming out or just exams nah, I don't want to do that it's messy relative yeah. to like perhaps other other oh areas of medicine or I embarrassed myself so bad the other week too uh, I ended up like sp- like we have attending physicians that kind of like guide our learning okay and we had a guy in there I think he's a family medicine doc but he did like a uh, obstetrics fellowship so okay Go in, this chick's in labor, and I think we're inducing labor. So that that means like there's a complication pregnancy, let's get baby out now. But we'll do it vaginally, not like a C section or anything. Okay. So what he was doing, one thing you do is like dilate the cervix when the baby comes out. So he's sticking this fully catheter up there, and it's basically just a, a plastic stick with a bulb. And you Fuck, in, inject uh, like just sterile water into the bulb, and it kind of like presses on the cervix to dilate it so the baby can come out. So he was holding that thing in there, and I was injecting the water into it, and it requires like a lot of pressure because it's a plastic thing, and then he has to press against the cervix to dilate it. So like I'm really like pushing down hard on this thing, and like more water than usually goes in there. And then by the third one, it's a, like the tip of the water syringe like pops off, and I spray down as hard as I can. It hits this chick's vagina and like backsplashes into his face. Oh my god. <laughs> Just sprayed his whole face with pussy water, <laughs> and like that's the guy that's evaluating me. And I'm like, it's your boss. I felt so embarrassed, but also just trying like really hard. What was her reaction? I was just like trying not to laugh because it's it's an objectively funny situation, but uh, and also I was embarrassed because you don't want to fuck up like that. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> oh my god. Everything else go okay? She was okay. Oh yeah, she's fine. She's fine baby, good yeah. for right Baby's now. okay. Yeah. What was the complication? I don't, I don't remember. Like, it might have been like weird heart tracings. Uh, I wonder, man. I wonder about that. Like, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about because I did have this like, um, what I perceive to be heart issues. They may still very well be heart issues. Like my my um, my cardiologist is like, I don't want to rule that out, and so he has me visiting him, mm-hmm. like every couple of weeks. Yeah. Because um, they did pick up some stuff that 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 they didn't particularly love, but. <coughs> I've just kind of been thinking lately about how 
blissfully unaware people are that like death like is right around the corner. It's something know? we don't think about a lot yeah. as Americans. Yeah, and, and like whenever I see part of society. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whenever, especially whenever, because my sister just went through a pregnancy a couple years ago. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I see pregnant women nowadays. I'm like, fuck. That used to be like the number one killer of women. Oh yeah. Like now nowadays, it's like oh, I have a, had, a, had a baby, no problem. Mm-hmm. You know, thank God, aren't I lucky? But. I feel like back yeah. in the day, it was like, well, so there's a one in three chance I'm not going to make it out of this. Yeah, I mean, we had... Like, fuck, yeah. so, you know, good job to you and Medical yours. advances. Yeah, you know? fuck, man. There's a lot of stuff we could do to help people. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so going back to, to, mm-hmm. to the last story. When we when we met last time, we rolled, I was at, like, peak physical conditions. I was, like, yeah, rolling a lot. After that, I got, um, I got vertigo. Yeah, and that kept me off the mat for like three to six months. So I just I couldn't move. I couldn't move my head. I couldn't like, I couldn't move around. So for for folks listening, vertigo is a thing. It's like imagine like a kidney stone type of sh- formation. Like and you can tell me if I'm fucking this up. It's like a salt or protein water deposit coagulates and turns yeah. into like a ball. It's, it's inner ear. So like the, it's like yeah. swirling around in there, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like basically. fucking up your sensors that tell you your head where it's at. Yeah, they're basically these little, to, to vastly simplify it, they're these little hairs that are kind of like sensors, and they kind of see where the fluid in your inner ear is going, and they kind of orient your body. It's the, <coughs> the I think the seventh or eighth uh, cranial nerves that that's responsible for it. But with vertigo, you get a higher concentration of some kind of solid in your inner ear, and then it precipitates out into a solid, and then it knocks those things around. And you feel really dizzy. That's basically how it happens. Yeah, yeah. So um, that kept me off the mat. The heart issues kept me off the mat. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, I just started like weightlifting because I could do that. Yeah. And so I got into like some real meathead lifting. Get huge. I got <laughs> huge. Yeah, I did. I was doing like I was doing like pull ups with the weighted vest. Yeah. Dips with the weighted vest. You wear, ga- you wear like the gas mask. No, I don't do that. That's yeah. like the bait mask. You've seen people do that? Yeah, I see people do that, and I just think they're not very bright. Yeah, it is, it's like, what, how is that helping you? I just don't understand. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. Like, I think I think guys that wear those things at the gym just want to look menacing. I think so. Like, oh, I take this shit really seriously. Like, I'm going to put this dumb mask on my face so people know. That's so, it's got like a ball gag in your mouth. <laughs> like, drooling out of the side Probably of it. do the same thing, just limiting, like, oxygen flow here. That's it. <laughs> yeah, no. Make it <laughs> yeah, so I got super into weightlifting, and uh, now I I'm like back on the mats. I'm you know I'm I'm, go- I'm going mm-hmm. regularly now again, and that you know that's sort of part of the inspiration to uh, to start up the podcast. You you asked me earlier. It's like when I started embracing jujitsu again after a short layoff. I um I just realized how much I miss the people, like the camaraderie of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and learning regularly too, like learning new yeah. and shit. That's important. Yeah, but so my whole body got bigger through the weightlifting process, and there's like I can actually pinpoint specific moves and like specific like hmm. oh like oh you're supposed to invert here or oh you're you know you would like roll over your shoulder blades and throw in the reverse hook here you know mm-hmm. and I can actually pinpoint pinpoint specific areas where I'm like you know what my slimmer body used to be able to do this. Yeah. And I'm having trouble. That's when you realize, like, jiu-jitsu is pretty body-dependent. Because I think Super body-dependent. When I started jiu-jitsu, I weighed, like, 145-ish. And now I'm, like... You're, one, like, 200. Now I'm, like, 190s right now. You gained 50 fucking pounds? Well, I started when I was 18. 
so I, I wasn't like I didn't have my man okay. body yet you know so like that was like college I think like really like add a lot of weight and kind of filled out yeah you looked like a rock climber when I met you yeah I was climbing a lot but yeah I was, I was skinny as fuck like now I, I still think I can do a lot of the same stuff I'm just not as fast and I, I don't invert hardly anymore like I used to invert all the time and I just don't because it screws, screws up your back like for me at least yeah I don't particularly I don't particularly love it but I hate knowing that I can't do it and so you know I spent some I spent some time like just I spent some time like like um, harvesting like a weightlifter's body you know mm-hmm. like you know working on that now that I'm back on the mats I'm like well shit do I spend some time now getting skinny again, or do I just yeah. like go all in on like buff man jujitsu? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I, I think, think there's something to be said for buff man jujitsu. You think I should just like say a, fuck it and just? Yeah, there's this guy training here. He's like a former NFL Big player, as possible. and he's like a, a black. He's been black belt for a while. He's just I can't do shit. I can't do shit. <laughs> you can't move. Yeah, he's, he's too. He's just like an athlete. You know, like you play NFL for a bunch of years, and you're like, you're never gonna lose that. You know? Yeah, like that's part of you. You know, the weightlifting did, like, bring out another part of me that I really enjoyed also. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of just you versus yourself, and it's really, like, introspective in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when you go when you don't want to go. It's really, like... You have to push yourself yeah. through the workout, you know? Yeah. Like, the weights don't lie, you know? Kind of <laughs> in jiu-jitsu, like, like you can't... You, I think you can brag a little bit in jiu-jitsu, probably, probably where it isn't warranted. But in weightlifting, it's like, either you can lift or you can't, man. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's very, it's, yeah. It's very linear. Uh, but I have a lot of respect for people who lift weights a lot but it's just so boring to me it's yeah. like just going to the gym by yourself picking things up putting them down it's just it's so boring I'd rather go to jujitsu any day I might even I get more out of jujitsu like mentally and socially and like mm. spiritually but yeah I might I don't know weightlifting's up there I might actually enjoy it more yeah I, there's I people like that get into it like there's you know yeah I like the benefits it gives you just for for like mood I feel like it increases yeah the mood benefits are tremendous yeah. and afterwards like, you just feel bulletproof coming out if you have like a, yeah. good, a good pump you're like proud of yourself for once <laughs> <laughs> no yeah you feel like you just you have more energy like your sex drives up you know like everything's better go home and fuck my gorgeous girlfriend yeah <laughs> fuck yeah. fuck but yeah, I did <laughs> You can tell that you're becoming like kind of a meathead when you lift a lot. Like I'm your priorities yeah. change. Yeah. yeah. You just want to like eat and fuck and like fight people and say. <laughs> I'm convinced it changes your body. It's not, yeah, it's not a very cerebral activity. But no. It no. feels great. It does, right? Testosterone is a hell of a drug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, but you know, I, I really do feel like I need to make a decision. I'm either going to go into like meathead jujitsu and like, you know, big boy jujitsu. Or try and slim down again, you know? I feel like slimming down would be better for my heart. Mm -hmm. I also enjoy, like, running and swimming and surfing and shit like that. Yeah. That's all better when you're you're slim, you know? When, uh, we were talking earlier about when I was training in Bali, I think I went out there for a few months. Dude, you were out there for, like, you were deep in the Bali game, right? Three or four months. It was in Bali. Yeah, it was, like, right between getting to school and starting school. I just wanted to, like, live somewhere tropical. And my buddy, Justin, had, like, moved out there from Thailand to start a gym with his friends and uh, so I went out there and it was it's pretty chill like I split this house for like a hundred some dollars a month and like the scooter cost 50 bucks a month to rent and meals were like one or two dollars so I didn't have to work this training training and surfing full time and I got super skinny because like one training twice a day plus surfing 
and two, all the food there is super healthy. So like, it's hard to not lose weight. I think it went from 190 to like 170 over the course of a couple months. Shit. Training, yeah. And I felt so much better. You feel better when you're lighter. Yeah, you definitely, you definitely feel better when you're lighter. The lightest I've been in recent memory was around 180. Mm-hmm. Around two, you know, 2015 when we were hanging out uh, back back in the day. Yeah, it's probably the lightest I've been in recent recent memory, and I feel like every four to five pounds I've gained, I can kind of feel myself like becoming a little bit more sluggish. Yes, thank you. There you go. And also like slower to get up in the mornings. Frankly, like my feet hurt right now. Dude, I feel like my my body hurts when I wake up because my mattress is kind of firm, and like if I if I weigh more, it's just like pressing it into the mattress more. I don't know. Yeah, getting old sucks, man. Yeah, my, my back hurts in the morning <laughs> so when I get up. I just turned 30 the other month, and it's, it's kind of hit me like, oh, I'm an old bastard now. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I heard 30, 30 hit me hard. But see, you're on track. Like, you're going to be, you're going to be like a highly accomplished in your mid-30s, right? Define, I mean, Maybe a fucking doctor. I think I've sacrificed a lot that I missed out on while I was in school. Yeah. Like, I miss friends' weddings. I miss your birthday. Like, yeah. I miss a lot of social stuff and a lot of, so, like, having fun. It's kind of, I don't know. It's trade-off. Yeah, yeah. You're, like, look on social media, people doing things, and you're like, Yeah, it's brutal. It's like, oh, man, they have, like, they... Because, you, yeah, you have just been in the, in the bunker for, like, three years. Now. Yeah, they have, like, you have disposable income and then, like... In your weekends, you don't have to study. You just go to like do fun trips and stuff. Right, right, right. I'm just like right now. Like, I have to wake up at four thirty, get to the hospital, round people, work all day, and then come back and just study until I pass out. You know, like that's it. I don't have much of a much of a social life. You're like a monk. You have to you have to like have some sort of balance, but I don't know. Yeah, I think that it's kind of influenced the the path I've chosen in medicine too because I'm I used to want to do like I want to do emergency medicine like do hardcore stuff in the hospital and the ER oh, yeah. and now I'm like working nights I don't know like <laughs> working nights and weekends and just be on your feet all day I don't want to do that yeah you know what one, one uh, realization that I had when I when I did turn thirty mm-hmm. was that you know the this game isn't gonna last forever. Yeah, you know, like when I when I hit thirty, borrowed time, man. <laughs> what? It's borrowed time. It's all borrowed time. Yeah. So when they did that echocardiogram on me, they were looking at like this valve. Um, the The doctor said that in the EKG he didn't like one of the valve readings, and, and mm-hmm. so they were looking at one of the valves. It looked like these fish lips opening up and yeah, pressing shut. Pretty much. And I was looking at the tech, and the tech was like, look kind of concerned, too. <laughs> well, I mean, what the fuck does he know, I guess, but... Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, where's the valve? And he's like, oh, it's these fish lips. Yeah. And I'm like, that's it? That yeah. little fucking string-looking thing? If that thing goes, I die? That fucking little thing? Yeah, yeah. That one thing? That's it. And he's like, yeah, man, we're all just hanging on by a thread. They literally are threads. They're called, like, the things that hold the fish lips. It's called a chordae tendinae, and there's these little cords that attach to the fish lips. And if one of those breaks, you're fucked. You, get, you get valve prolapse, you know, all sorts of problems. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, they, there's no way to fix it. You just cut it out put in a fake valve. Like, you can't repair, can't repair that. Just put in a fake one. <coughs> yeah, so when I turned 30, like, that realization kind of hit me. It was like, you know, this isn't going to go on forever. And so the, you know, the notions of, like, oh, maybe I'll, one day I'll be rich and famous or I hoped for this or that one day. 
you kind of start realizing like life will probably be more of the same you know and you have to yeah. I think settle in your mind that that's going to be alright I don't know man like what I think a lot of it depends on what you feel is important and what you want out of yeah. life like what actually makes you happy yeah. I mean, like fame money doesn't really make you happy yeah I don't actually give a shit about fame or money but like yeah. um, just I mean I guess what I'm trying to say is like whatever notions you like oh you know maybe I'll write a book I don't know just like you just feel like maybe by 30 you would have had it more figured out oh yeah that notion that oh like especially as a kid growing up you look at adults and like, like 30 oh yeah they have shit figured out you know that's what I like mean. they're grown ups they know what they're doing nah right yeah that's, that's, <laughs> that's a huge right? that's like, a huge misconception yeah like um, like I keep wondering if like the spirituality bug is ever gonna bite me cause I look Ooh, at sp- and how many like, crystals do you have <laughs> How many crystals do you have? Yeah, no, like, no crystals. No so crystals, no amethyst. No, but I mean, like, just any sort of like notion of spirituality, man. I, you know, I can't pretend to, I can't pretend to believe something that I don't believe. That's true. But I f- would fucking love to believe because, like, I, I would love to have like the the clarity of mind and, and the still and the calmness of heart that mm-hmm. comes with with deep seated, you know, convictions of faith. And it's like nowhere to be found. I'm like in my thirties now. I'm thinking. Well, fuck! This might never come. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not very religious. I think my parents didn't push me into any religion, and I just kind of like develop my ideas on my own, I guess. Because I mean, I went to church with my friends sometimes, or like I go to service in the military. But uh, I think that humans aren't, we don't have the equipment to like understand existence. I really don't think that, and I think that you can kind of let go a little bit. It's like we can't, we don't understand it, you know. Like you can search for meaning however you want. Some people go to science, religion. I just don't think we have the the biological equipment to understand the existence we're like everything going on. Yeah, it's like the why, the why behind everything. I read something. I heard something on a podcast. I heard it in a podcast. Who was it? Was it Sam Harris? This totally fucking blew my mind. But he was saying that not all states of consciousness are created equal. Like in terms of experience. So. Yeah. Like, we're conscious right now, and we're receiving inputs through our eyes and through our ears and through what we feel in our hands, right? Mm. But, like, a bat, like, will never see the world. Yeah. It's rather, like, mapping it out mm. in their bat mind. Yeah. Through, yeah, like, every, echolocation. Every organism just has sensors. That's all we have, it's like, biological sensors. Yeah, but that's fucking crazy. They're, like, yeah. making this image of the world based on echoes. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Like... They're they're alive and they're conscious, but what they're experiencing is no one you're know experiencing. What do you think about when you roll? When I roll is one of the only times that my mind just kind of shuts off. Yeah, that's why I love it. That's why I love it too. Because you, you can be stressed out, you have shit going on in your personal life. Like I'm crazy stressed with school and studying, and you know, like being in the hospital, and you go in there, and when someone's trying to choke you, like everything, yeah. you just everything kind of tunes out, and you're like. All right, I'm focusing on this right now. And even, you don't even think about, I think in the beginning you think about specific techniques and like strategy, but as you progress, like the higher levels of jiu jitsu, you just, just feel you're shit. just doing you're it. You're just autopilot. Like yeah. it's all ingrained. Yeah. yeah. When you, um, when you roll, do you feel like there's certain moves that you're looking for? Or is it just kind of like what opens up for you? Well, I have my game. So you've definitely, I feel like you've definitely hit me with like, the same couple of moves. Yeah. They're moves that I like and that they kind of fit in with the rest of my game and just kind of conforms to my body type and the style I like to play. But 
a lot of things like I like improv. I don't know. Yeah. Like I've definitely learned things, and and they like resurface sometimes. Like you haven't drooled it in a while or done it, and then you just kind of pull it out of your ass, and yeah. it like looks really cool when you do it. But <clears throat> I don't know. I think that a lot of it's just in the moment, wherever you feel. It's like surfing. I think that like yeah. that's why there's a lot of crossover between jujitsu and surfing. It's in the moment. You know? like, yeah. Yeah. The, the wave is going to act however it acts and you just have to kind of conform to it and, and put your little personal twist on it yeah. but it's more like being in the moment I yeah. think that's it being in the moment like shutting everything out so. yeah. Yeah. Does, your mind shuts yeah. off like that too when you do yeah. This? yeah 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 so I think that that's actually probably one of the one of the biggest differences that I see in between advanced practitioners and sort of folks maybe three years and, and before mm-hmm is the the people that are like three years and younger I see them like you I feel like you can actually see them thinking yeah or, or like attempting to think yeah well I think that there's a difference in cognition like or at the end of the arm bar as okay I put my foot on their hip I pivot I pull their forearm break their posture I have to put my leg over and then when it comes to like you've been doing it for a while you just do that automatically you don't have to think about right, it right right yeah right it's like I have to you're thinking like I already know how to do this like in my sleep what's he gonna do how's he gonna defend that kind of thing right right yeah yeah so Haley started doing jujitsu with me and we've been she's actually pretty talented yeah yeah she is so I'm like 200 pounds she's 100 pounds and coach was showing this um, sweep from like butterfly guard Mm -hmm. and you're kind of like laying down on like your right hip let's say and then you load them up onto your shins and take them all the way over your body yeah and I was like yeah, I'm not sure you know I'm not sure you're gonna be able to do this you know because I'm so much bigger than her yeah and she's like what like this like this I think she just took me over the first time yeah but so I, I, I can see her rolling against other white belts and afterwards sometimes I'll be like so what was going on in your mind when you know such and such happened she was like well we learned this move today or like I know the other day I learned that move and I'm trying to like get in position to do that move and I was trying to like Hold her, hold her arm down so I could like get my my legs over her over her neck and do the the triangle. But her arm moved and the triangle was over and then I was lost. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that feeling, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think that's definitely one of the um, one of the slow progressions that's underappreciated is going from like having a state of mind in jujitsu to like no mind whatsoever mm. you know you know who's kind of inspirational like that is that blind lady that that blind lady that comes into ultimate fitness sometimes yeah I'm, oh yeah i remember are you at the new school Did they just open up a new gym yeah it's gorgeous yeah it looks sick it looks so Twenty thousand square feet it looks super clean like white and gray and stuff yeah. like so what are they doing with the old gym is that at least for fighters or are they kind of close it down they just close it down oh, okay they just close it down yeah but what's cool about the new gym is that they have like a um they have this like cafe overlooking the the workout space. You can get your kombucha and your fucking you kombucha, yeah. crunchy granola. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like your bowl of acai. Yeah. All that stuff. And um, so there's kind of like an L-shaped viewing gallery for practice. Mm-hmm. And like when sparring happens, there's always people there watching sparring. So yeah. You kind of like, you feel like you're like in this pit and there's people watching yeah, you. Like, fighters. Yeah, dude. It, it's, um, they did a good job of like creating this like pressure cooker type of environment where there's people watching practice and I think that's good for you know for prize fighters right to always have something yeah. watching you know um, but yeah the new gym is the new gym is, is gorgeous um, I don't really have any I don't really have any um, 
any complaints on the new gym. And a lot of times you open you open up a facility that big, and there might be a couple of hiccups along the way. But they've done a great job of sort of like rolling it out seamlessly. You know, Uriah, I think, has taken more of a hands-on like fighter, like mentor and coach type of approach. Because yeah. back when he was fighting. It was, I think, more difficult for him to mm. actively coach everybody. He's like a, a low-key mogul, too, right? Like he's, a, he's a conglomerate. Yeah. He owns, like... I remember they had the fight, like the fighter block of Hazes, and he owned the entire block. Yeah. And he would just rent, like, rooms out to fighters. So mm. he started his own, like, real estate empire, his other businesses. It's a published author. Yeah, really? Yeah. Ah. He has some sort of stake in the dental business, as I understand it. The gym. He has a real estate firm, I think. Um, and he's like, every so often I'll hear that, like, oh, Uriah Faber is an investor in this business in Midtown, in Sacramento. Yeah, he's a Sacktown boy. He's like the golden child. He really is, yeah. Yeah, no, he, uh, he's actually agreed to come on my other podcast, Sacktown Pond. Nice. That's, that's yeah, really so, cool. So just, um, you know, getting, getting a hold of that guy's schedule is going to be hard, though. Oh, uh, yeah, and he, yeah, man. He's got, his, he got his hands in a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, he'll be interesting to yeah. talk to. Can you quickly explain to folks this program that you're doing where the... You're in the Navy now. Yeah. So I was in the Army. You're in the Army and then you switched. I'd like, I'd like you to touch on that too, but yeah. basically the, the Department of Defense. Yeah, Department of Defense. Is paying yeah. for your naval yeah. for your naval education. Yeah, Uncle so, Sam. So right now you're in school for how, how, how much longer? So medical school is four years. And okay. then I match into a Navy residency, which will be another four years, probably. Okay, so your like next five years are spoken for. Pretty much, yeah. Well, and then after residency, I owe Uncle Sam four years of working as a physician in the Navy. So oh, that's, that, like, that, that's they, not the four-year residency thing. No, residency that's another form to do, of that. Yeah, <clears throat> but so your next nine years are spoken for. Yeah, residency I have to do either way. Like it just pays more for me to do it in the military. Okay, and it's really hard to do it once you're in a scholarship program outside. So. I was in the Army. I did a branch transfer to the Navy for medical school because I got into medical school and I didn't want to pay for it because, like, the school I got to here is like 56 grand a year. It's like retarded expensive. So that's four years. They give me a stipend every month to live on, which is kind of nice. And then uh, go to residency, which all physicians do if you want to, that's like where you specialize in something. Um, so whether you're family practice, you want to do surgery, everyone does residency in that field. Um, most of them are three or four years. Some like crazy surgery ones are longer, but you have to do that. And then after that, I owe the Navy for four years working as a, as a residency trained physician, which I don't know. It's, that's kind of like the payback part because the pay isn't as good as, as the outside world and you'd have to do residency either way. So, that's, so, so you're... So I'll be like, fuck, I'll be like 30, 39, 39 by the time I get out of here. Yeah. But I think it's worth it. I think it's a, there's a lot of value in it because right. otherwise, you know, residents, a lot of people don't know this, but when you go to the hospital and there's a resident physician there, you think that you're getting paid bank, right? No, they're getting paid 40. Well, everyone, like all people say, it's, all people see it's like, oh, you're a doctor. Yeah. No, residents, it's like, it's kind of a scam, honestly. <laughs> Because they're getting paid forty-five to fifty grand a year for those four years after medical school, so they have you know two hundred fifty grand in debt that they can't pay down because they're only making. You know, Wait, so the interest is accruing a year. Yeah, so it's so by the time they get a residency, they're like three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand in debt, and then they just start making like doctor money. Yeah, you know? so it's it's this big pipeline. It takes a long time. 
So I didn't want anything to do with that. So <laughs> after my four years are done in the Navy, I'm, I'm pretty clear. I don't know anything. Can you explain why the Army versus... You started in the Army, then you moved yeah. over the Navy. So is the Navy like a better deal, or how does that work? No, the, the scholarship's the same, like, among the branches. Like, it's the same value for each one. For the Army, I think that there are a lot of communication issues and, like, organizational issues, but mostly it's like the culture of it. Well, yeah, and then the location, because I, I went to boot camp at, like, in Missouri, and then I went to officer candidate school in Georgia. It's always inland somewhere. Yeah, and then... Uh, as in Arizona, you know they like aren't great locations, and the Navy uh-huh. you're pretty much guaranteed to in like a city large America. metropolitan city yeah, on the city beach, Seattle, Virginia, Florida. Like it's gonna be somewhere you want to live. Yeah, it's a lot of time. It's like eight years that I have to be in the in the Navy after med school. So. The residency program and then the four years as a resident trained physician are at the, in the same location. No, so the the residency is in the same location. Afterwards, they're probably like two different duty stations. So, okay, I think they keep you in one spot every two or like two or three years, and they move you. They rotate you. Yeah. Can they? What are the chances that they say? You know, we're we're coming up short on help. Like stop loss. Yeah. Very low. Like so low. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I have more. I mean, the government can obviously do whatever they want to do, but the government, yeah. My contract, it's pretty like it's pretty clear. But I think the stop loss is a law, and they can do that. I just don't see them doing that unless there's like a major conflict. Okay. Yeah. So say, you know, war breaks out again in Iraq. Well, not again. We're still there. We're still <laughs> yeah, there. You know, but point. like, is there some sort of understanding that you're going to be doing? Like, do you expect to be working? I guess what I'm asking is, do you expect to be working at a VA hospital? Do you expect to be working? No, at, VA is different. Perhaps that's, that's at a, in the uh, department. That's another department. Okay, it's not DOD. Could you be stationed like on a like on a destroyer on a battleship? Uh, that's like the, so, fleet, the fleet fleet medicine position. is mostly run by PAs or like independent duty corpsmen. So PA, uh, like physician assistants. Okay. So they're mostly the people on the ships. I think. Per Wait, they don't have an actual like doctor on the. There are like on the big carrier. They don't have. Yeah, an they doctor. are a couple of physicians on the carrier, but then they also have like. So if there's a marine unit on a carrier or a ship. They have their own general medical officer. It's a physician. Uh, that's with them, and then any fighter wing. They have an eight, like a flight surgeon that's taking care of them, so they'll be on the ship too. Even though their responsibility is for the pilots, they're still like there, you know, they handle stuff. So a flight surgeon is like, so I, yeah, I'm just interested in exploring this. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. It's a, a, it's a, a flight surgeon's world. like someone like on the bomber plane. Like if you get shot up, no, like it's a, mission, it's basically like primary work? care for pilots. It's not surgery. I don't know what's called flight surgeon. Okay, but you're essentially primary care for pilots. So it's something that I was kind of interested in because after your intern year, which is your first year of residency, they'll send you to like flight Navy flight school. So really, yeah, you get trained on a like a fixed wing plane, and then you get trained on a helicopter, and you get <clears throat> trained in aerospace medicine. So like evaluating, all right, is this person healthy to fly, and like understanding the the stress that a human body is under when they're in a plane, like the g- different G maneuvers and whatever. Um, so then you after that training, you you're basically like primary care for a bunch of pilots, and you get you get flight time every month. You get to you get to be up and on the platform and stuff. And so right. you sort of specialize in the unique yeah. set of uh, issues that pilots deal with. Exactly. Exactly. That's so interesting. And like to understand it more, that's why they sent you to that's why they send you to flight school. So you have a first so knowledge it. of like, all right, what 
what kind of force are you under? What kind of stress are you under? Now, is that something you can still do, or do you have to like pick what you're going to specialize in? I can do that. It's kind of like a, a moment, like a diversion. So you, you do your first year, you're interning your residency, and after that, you can apply to like flight medicine, dive medicine, go to dive school, or like GMO to basically work with Marines or sailors as their primary care physician. You, you could go off and do a tour of that for like two years, and then you come back and finish your residency. Got it. Yeah. So what what do you expect to specialize in? Uh, I'm really leaning towards psychiatry. That's what I want to do. Because I think that mental health is, a, is pretty... Oh, not underrated, but... Overrated, maybe? Overlooked a lot. Um, and it can affect your everything else as far as your health. And um, people don't see it as like a real thing. Cause you don't see it. You know, like, oh, your heart's failing. It's easy to understand. But a lot of people don't understand mental health. And uh, it's it's a big field that's that's coming up as our understanding grows because we still don't understand a lot about the brain and uh, kind of how it works. Like we have, for example, SSRIs. That's like the first line treatment for depression. There's serotonin. Uh, so serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Should, thanks, doctor. Shit, they should, awesome. give me, they should give me the right. degree. Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So they, they're like first line treatment for, for depression, but we still like don't understand how they work we just know they do we just work. give it to people yeah we just give it to people <laughs> so i think there's a lot of research to be coming out i think it's a big field and i it's it's underserved in a lot of areas like vegas very like a lot of depressed people walking around vegas well think about the like, yeah i mean I can the imagine. mental situation in a lot of people a lot of las vegas residents it's really underserved it's in high demand and i think the lifestyle is good too because i'm thinking all right be like 39 coming out of the Navy what do I want I mean, you get, yeah, I mean you've, you've been grinding when you when you come out you will have been grinding for a decade yeah it's absurd so I want to have my own like I've been in school way too long to have a boss like, fuck that I'm going to have my own practice and you have a lot of like direction over your practice you have oh, I want like a therapy doc I was just talking to a psychiatrist the other week she has a uh, she's raising like a therapy dog for practice she has her pet at work every day like that's, huh. that's pretty cool oh that's pretty cool yeah so does the does the Navy have a say in like you want to be a psychiatrist that's lovely we think that's great humanitarian <laughs> work yeah they're not going to force but you but we, to need, we need surgeons no, no they're not going to force you to specialty. so you get to pick whatever you want yeah that's pretty cool or like you, you serve your commitment and then you're out and you can match it to the civilian residency programs got that's it. another path Got it, got it. Do you get to pick, like, for sure where you're going to end up, or is it... No, you put in your list, like, where you want to go, and they kind of, based on what program you want. Like, for residency, it's different, but after that, you, like, put your top three, and then maybe you get it, maybe you don't. Okay. Maybe cool to go overseas. I love to go overseas. You want to go overseas? Yeah. Japan. I have some friends in Japan right now at the Navy. It's just amazing. Like, in Okinawa, the beaches, and... Japanese food and I don't know it seems great you know let me do a quick shout out here for for our listeners in Japan just a and a quick note too for for folks listening you know one of the things that's been enjoyable about doing this podcast is how rewarding it's been in, in ways that I could not have expected um, about a third of our total downloads are coming from Japan that's wild yeah it's just yeah, kind of cool shout out to Japan shout out to Japan you know um <laughs> Yeah, I, I keep I keep telling Haley I would forego almost anything to just be famous in Japan for the unique yeah. cultural like place that it holds. Have you been to Japan? 
No. Oh, I went once. I was there for like 24 hours because I had a layover. But it was, it was pretty cool. I heard it's like going to the future. It... Tokyo is, I was only in like Tokyo because I had like a, a layover, but my uncle by marriage is Japanese, so I want to go back and visit like my extended family there. That'd be really cool. That's pretty cool. I want to go, I want to go to Japan and like, um, I don't know if they would allow it because the culture is so strict and old school, mm-hmm. but I'd love to like intern with the Sumo Academy for like a week. Yeah. Yeah, like sleep on the floor with the guy. It's pretty rough. I know. I've seen videos of the training. It's real rough. Yeah, it's like they're on dirt floors. They're on mats. It's just dirt. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's like in thongs and like the the sauna together. Yeah. There's a cliff. There's a uh, collective weight of like 40,000 pounds of man in that room. Yeah. There's there's like a a documentary on YouTube called Budo, The Art of Fighting. And they go through all the Japanese martial arts. And one of them is sumo. So they have like a camera documentary crew in the sumo academy. And they, they surprisingly are really flexible, like sumo fighters. Oh, really? Super flexible. And one Oh, guy, you mean like physically? Like yeah. Like they can do the splits? Yeah. Well, they, they're training this dude to do the splits. So they have like one sumo on one leg, one on the other, and then dude on the back that just like slam this oh. dude down the splits. Just looks so uncomfortable. Just no fucks given. Yeah. No fucks. <laughs> Isn't that a difference between Japan and America? A, a video recently surfaced of uh, cheerleading, uh, a cheerleading... A uh, cheerleading... Academy or cheerleading coach really? was doing the same thing with some with some young girls. Oh yeah, I saw that. He's I under criminal like investigation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in Japan, it's, it's like yeah. You I won't. mean, <laughs> yeah, that should be. It is. Kind it, of, should it, it should be. be it should be. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's not okay. It's not okay. Can't just force like torture these little girls. That's so bad. Cheerleading. Yeah, yeah. So I. Um, I mean, do you want her or do you not? Yeah. <laughs> That's the culture. Yeah. That's the culture. I, I, so I think I, I just I'm so fascinated by sumo. I'm oddly fascinated by sumo. I keep reading up on it. They only do it on odd number months. Why is that? It's bad luck. Otherwise. Oh shit! So yeah. there's a lot of mysticism involved. It's the most ritualized wrestling ceremony of any culture. Like yeah. every unique culture develops some sort of wrestling game. Yeah, everyone has wrestling. Yeah. It's a way for men to settle disputes without people dying. Exactly. It, like, teaches, like, strength and honor and all this. You know what I mean? And, and it's, like, something for everybody to watch. Every culture has developed some form of wrestling. Yeah. The What I can read into uh, sumo is that it's basically an extended metaphor of, like, two shoguns feuding over, like, fertile land. Really? Yeah. Like that. Yeah, so they... Um, when when they're done making like the clump like the mound of dirt mm. that they fight on before the final preparations are done and before the sumo wrestlers step on the mat there's this little like nook carved out the middle of the of the, of the platform and they bury this like package of like rice seeds frankincense and like other like hmm. symbols of like agriculture and wealth and prosperity interesting and you know they both like throw the rice over the land and then they both walk out with like their family fucking or like their clan banners it's super fuel yeah yeah they're, they're like fighting over land it's like this totally like mystical and like ritualized like revered um, space it's probably the most revered out of any other wrestling tradition currently alive do you ever go to the the Japanese like I think they they have a festival every year in Japantown, San Francisco, where they have sumo, sumo wrestling there. No. Yeah, check that out. I should do that. Yeah, I didn't go, but it looks pretty cool. Haley and I decided on a small wedding. We were yeah. gonna there was a there was a time where we were thinking of a big one. 
And I thought it'd be cool to have sumo wrestlers like take over the dance floor. Fuck yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> Pay McCall. Well, like the sumo suits that you can rent. You know, yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sumo is super interesting because they have they have like a list of approved techniques and like slaps are legal. Like you can sumo slap somebody. I saw and, a video where someone got knocked out doing that. <laughs> you see the one where uh, there's this guy, some white dude from Europe, but he's a really good wrestler. Takenoyama. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, and he's just wrecking shop at sumo. Like, yeah. taking on dudes twice his size. Yeah. And just out-wrestling them. Those arm beautiful. drags. Yeah. It's like little guy wrestling against these giant... Yeah, his footwork is, like, on fleek, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's wild. It's so cool. So, for folks listening, we're, we're in Vegas. One of the things that's kept Ryan and I apart is... Um, you moved here to Vegas. Yeah. and to, For medical school. I'm here for the Life is Beautiful Festival. Mm-hmm. It's a great time, and so we took an opportunity to do this. You've been here for what three years now? Uh, yeah, it's my third year. What's um, like? What's living in regular Vegas like, dude? It's uh, it's really far removed from the strip. Really? Like, I haven't been the strip in months. Yeah, and j- it, prior to this, yeah, coming to see see you here, but it's wild because I'm in often like suburbia land in Henderson. I don't really like interact with like I see it. The strip's here. Yeah, but. It's not somewhere I spend a lot of time. Like, one, because really touristy, a bunch of people. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, it's super touristy. It's really expensive. Like, the strip is, like, the old timey Vegas, like, it's cheap. Just come here and gamble doesn't exist anymore. The Fuck. strip's expensive. Unless you're a chick. If I was a chick, I'd be here all the time. Because just, you get tables, you get free bottles, you just get it all the night. You're taken care of, yeah. Yeah, you're taken care of. But as a dude in Vegas, times it's hard you know <laughs> like you, you need to know a, a promoter or somebody and then it doesn't even appeal to, appeal to me that much because if I yeah, stay the out appeal, all the night, appeal for me is like stay out till like five in the morning and drinking all night I just be like I have shit to do man like yeah. <laughs> it's school yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah I have to get up at like 4.30 on the weekdays you know can't do that but uh, as a town it's when I first moved here I wasn't a fan and now it's, it's kind of growing on me a little bit um, it's cheap to live here. You can fly anywhere really cheap. There's a lot of cool outdoorsy stuff to do, like Red Rocks, Lake Mead. Um, and I don't know. It's just when you're not, when you're, when you're in a suburb, like this isn't part of your life, like Vegas. At all. You know, at all. Shit. Um, but How yeah, hot does it get in the summer? Like retarded hot. Like, like, uh, can you just like not go outside? Certain like you ever like, baked cookies in the oven and you just open like the, the yeah. oven and you just get hit by that? wave of heat like that's yeah. what it's like all the time yeah but there's no cookies it sucks <laughs> 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 like that's it but honestly it's grown on me because like you came at a great time because it's amazing out right now it's and, really nice uh, from about this point in September to maybe like April it's 60 and sunny every day it's beautiful so I think living in Vegas for this part of the year would be great and then just get getting out. Get the fuck out for, for oh, the yeah. summer. That's what I did. I was like here studying and then I did it bounce. Yeah. But Vegas is cool because, for jiu-jitsu because there's so many high-level people here. Like, and then in town. Who do you train with? Um, when I first moved here, I was training with Vinny Magalesh at a syndicate. <laughs> and make sure you say the name right. Yeah, Magalesh. Uh, shout out, Vinny. Uh, but and I was training with him for like a year and a half and then he moved he started his own little school in um, 
think it's Vegas Athletic Club or something. City Athletic Club. And he moved across town. You would yeah, I remember like, that. It's like a half hour away. Like, You're like, sorry, bro? Yeah. I was like, look, I, I train you guys. All the guys are super cool. I just, I can't make it. You know, like, I can't drive a half hour to go train a half hour back. Like, I'm studying. I'm trying to study for tests. And, and there's, then, like, uh, no shortage of schools here. Yeah, there's no shortage. So I was training with, um, I spent all the time, at, I was, like, trying to find a good gym. So I went to Randy Couture's gym. But it was a little far away, and it's a little, I don't know. It seemed like a lot of people drop in there. And uh, it's maybe not like a tight, good, tight, maybe not like a good tight knit group. Yeah, it wasn't a tight knit group. And then um, I started, I went over to Evan Dunham's place. And I know Evan from Oregon, actually. Because, like, right when I started Jiu Jitsu, there's this tiny school in Eugene called Northwest Martial Arts. And he was like a purple belt at the time. And he was like working at REI. He like wasn't in the UFC yet, and like that was my first exposure to jujitsu. And then he just randomly happens to be here with the school, and his school is like great. So many high level people drop in. Um, we had Cyborg drop in, uh, had, Mr. or Mrs. Uh, Mr. Cyborg Abreu, and uh, who else is there? Like Phil Baroni was there the other week. And how's his jits? Like '90s Valentino Jiu-Jitsu, like okay. like the bare minimum you used to know to like stand up, you know, stand up, stand up, yeah, sprawl, brawl. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we got one of um, I don't know. Like, I'm not literally tuned into the the sports jujitsu right now. You know what? I, but I mean, we had a couple high level dudes. Oh, and uh, Mike Buscemi, the fourth American gold medalist in the Jalos Trans in the morning. <coughs> so we got like high level dudes there. Like really high level for a small school, so I'm enjoying it. I think it's it's a great place to train. And it, so it's a small, tight knit group of fucking killers. Yeah, and there are competitors there, but there are a lot of like regular, like nine to five blue collar savages that that just show up and train. You know, like just regular dudes that have great jujitsu. Yeah, I feel like those guys are like under the radar a lot because they don't necessarily yeah, they don't compete or anything. You know, I just like they're just tapping. Yeah, I just like tapping fools. Exactly. Yeah, and those, those guys are fun to train with. I honestly, I'm more respect for people that have a, a nine to five job and still manage to compete a little bit than like a kid who lives on the mats, and trains four times a day, and is a jiu-jitsu champion. Because like, oh no shit, like you train four times a day, you're probably gonna be pretty good. You know who wrote about that was uh, Marcelo Garcia in his book. Yeah, he just broke down like the, he just like broke down like the relative mat time mm-hmm. that he put in because he was like one of the first full time competitors. Versus yeah. like other guys who were you know did have jobs. Yeah, and he, like, he slept in the mats and shit. Yeah, he was yeah. like, he was like you know I only won by a few points and I was frankly kind of disappointed. You mm-hmm. know like I fucking sleep I'm sleeping on these mats. Yeah, you know the the num I mean the numbers like yeah the the numbers that people can put together are staggering if you're doing it full time because you know if I'm doing it if, if I'm doing it as a serious hobbyist. What's a serious hobbyist? Three times a week? A really serious hobbyist is four, four or five. Five, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But then you, you get the people who are training like two, three times a day. Yeah. Six like, days. That's just 12. compare like one week in a, in a yeah, hobbyist week. Exactly. Who's the competitor's week? Exactly. So you have your competitor's week, you're training three times a day. You get like six hours of mat time per day times, let's just say five. You know, yeah. that's a lot. And then you have a hobbyist who's training one time, let's average four days a week. Like that, the competitors training more time in one day than the hobbyist is in all the week. whole week. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, like I, when I was in Bali, I was pretty much training full time. Like I was doing twice a day and surfing. So then, 
I was I was getting a ton of mats. Huh. And I, yeah. it made a difference. Like I feel like I've gotten worse since then. Honestly, like, well, also the Bali. I feel like the Bali air just kind of loosens. It's so warm there. Just walking uh, around Bali, you're just kind of like limp. <laughs> <laughs> you're just kind of limber walking around. You're like always warm yeah. up. Shout out to Bali MMA, by the way. You know what? They were wonderful yeah. hosts. We stayed in their. Um, we stayed in one of their rooms. Yeah, they were great. And like. Seriously, I hope they're all doing well with the volcano right now because the volcano in Bali is like about to blow up. <laughs> I don't know, I'm laughing about that. That's not funny. Right. No, because we went up there and like we That's I remember we, we did like a tour up there to the to the crater and like looking in. I, we had lunch. It's like not a big deal, and now like it's about to blow up. It's about to fucking yeah. get active on. Yeah. So like stay safe, guys. <laughs> Yeah, that's rough, man. Just that's go over to like like a different island. Dude, even best week. case scenario, yeah. best case scenario, you're breathing ash. Dude, yeah. I mean, you're breathing ash there every day because people are like, were you there when they're lighting the the rice husks on fire? No. Just super smoky. Yeah. Oh yuck. I'd have to like bandana up when I was on my scooter. Looked like an outlaw scooter gang because I was like on <laughs> my blacked out scooter and I had like a bandana oh my god thug. oh my god yeah but if you're there the wrong time of year that's when they're, they're harvesting the rice and they burn all the the husks or whatever and you're just breathing it yeah it's, and they burn trash and stuff too I mean it's a, it's like an island paradise but then it very very much like a third world country at the same time yeah dude when I went there I was like just <laughs> so I was just so blown away how like little I know there'd be like a clearing in the buildings Mm-hmm. And you'd see like a rice beautiful field. rice field yeah. overlooking the beach. Yeah, it's just picturesque. And then you drive a little further, and it's just like strip mall, like yes, yeah. whatever. Yeah, there'd be like little pockets of like perfect untouched nature, yeah. and then just like and then just just like you said, you know, you get a little further out of Chengdu and like that area, and it's all like that though. Yeah, it's just that's the touristy spot where everyone's at. You know what I didn't particularly enjoy about Bali. Uh, and Haley really liked it, but I was not having fun. Was the the monkey forest, dude? I'm not cool with monkeys. I don't like that. Shit. I don't talk to monkeys. Yeah. I don't want to hang out with them. I went. Like it was cool. Actually, I was there. They found a huge cobra in the monkey forest, and <laughs> like everyone's freaking out. They like, closed this whole path. But yeah, the monkeys are just they're aggressive. They have weird monkey. They they, they start like, like climbing on tours. Yeah. If you have like a water bottle or a hat, they'll steal it and like like have to trade back food for it. Like they extort people, and uh, people don't respect them. They have like pretty gnarly diseases. They have herpes. And, like, like they bite you, and you're, like congrats, you have like herpes on your arm now from a monkey. <laughs> yeah, monkey herpes. <laughs> when we were uh, when we went, uh, there was like this little footbridge. Yeah, and Haley was in front of me, but I had lost track of her by sight because mm-hmm. there was kind of a lot of people there. So I looked back, looking for her. She mobbed by my. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I looked. I looked back, and in doing so, I kind of swung my elbow around, and yeah. I like grazed this monkey that was sleeping on the ledge of the bridge. <laughs> and it was like the fucking king monkey. It was like oh, so. Shit. It was like the because it's a bunch of tiny monkeys. Yeah, right? yeah. There's, it's a very much like a pack. Yeah, there's an alpha well, it was monkey. the fucking it was the biggest one. Yeah, it's the alpha. Yeah, it was by it was definitely the biggest one. This month, this guy was huge, and he just like kind of like woke up and like, yawned and like woke up and looked at me, <laughs> and then like he took two steps towards me and like and opened his mouth and showed me his Whoa. fangs. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, the problem is you fuck with this one monkey, you fuck with them all, and they will like rip you up <laughs> limb from limb. Yeah, they're so strong. 
And uh, there's no way you could survive a monkey attack like that. Like in in that particular that, location, there's thousands of them. Right? Yeah. And the, the weird thing with monkey behavior is that humans are the only, like, primates, hominids, whatever we're called, that smiling is like a social friendly thing. Like, if huh. any other primate, if you smile, that's like aggression because you're showing your teeth. So they're all, like, people just don't know what they're doing when they go in there and try to feed them. They're smiling and stuff. And they interpret that as, like, you're trying to get aggressive with them. And they bite you. Yeah. Shit. Shit. We were smiling the whole time. Yeah. I don't like monkeys. I went when my, when I was there with, like, my girlfriend at the time. So we went to the, we did, like, a bunch of touristy stuff. But I was not a fan of the monkeys. Yeah, I didn't particularly like it either. Wait, just quickly, um, just to wrap this up, and I actually just thought of this question. You kind of have your, your, um, yourself taken care of and looked after because of the navy. Yeah. Right. This yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. And you're gonna pay it back. You're gonna pay it back, and you know, like time. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Do you feel like you're less stressed out comparative to, relative to your classmates who oh, are taking yeah. on the loan? Yeah. The, money is a huge stress, and it really affects like how you, like, what field of medicine you go into, because primary care doesn't pay as much as like specialties and. I would say psychiatry is primary care, but I feel like I'm free to pick that because I don't have you know three hundred thousand in debt on my shoulders that I have to worry about paying off. So I think that all the debt that people go into for school kind of discourages people from going into primary care, family practice, because I feel like people need that. Like that's a huge important part of medicine. But when you when you're like like how am I gonna pay off third of a mill? You know, sure. like you gotta go into a specialty. The yeah, really that well. thoracic yeah. surgeon money. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Got it. Got so. it. You know, you, you took a minute there to speak more broadly about the healthcare system in general and kind of mm-hmm. the influences and stuff. Um, do you have any thoughts on the state of healthcare in America today? Honestly. You can skip the question if you want. Like, no, no, this is good. I think that it's com- like it's super complicated. So yeah. a lot of it, a lot of the, the debate right now in medicine is that do people have a right to healthcare? Which is on the surface, you're like, yeah, of course, everyone should get the right to healthcare. But I think that there might be a discrepancy as, as far as what level of healthcare do you have a right to? I think that having access to healthcare is really important, but you know, having a right to it is kind of strange. Like, oh, so you have a right to healthcare. So me as a doctor, am I obligated to help you? You know, like. Like, I think on the surface and ideologically, it makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, I should be altruistic and, like, help people. But also, you know, I sacrifice a lot. You know, I, social life, I missed friends' weddings. I missed a lot of family events to, to, to go to school to do this. And, like, I feel like my time is, is valuable. And I, I feel like I have a right to charge a reasonable rate for sure. healthcare. Um, so I think people should have a right to, to access, but then again, like, I don't know. It's so complicated. Well, l- let me stand this for a second. Good, there's a good answer for it. I think that in the U.S., we have a, one of the highest levels of healthcare in the world. I think there's a narrative right now that says, like, oh, U.S. healthcare is, like, terrible, whatever. Like, no, that's bullshit. Like, we all the drugs that are coming out, U.S. drugs. Like, 90% of the new cutting-edge drugs are coming out of the U.S., like 90% of the cutting edge medical techniques, procedures coming out of the US. So I think that it may not be as equitable as other countries as far as healthcare, but in terms of the cutting edge, we're definitely there. I think we have the cutting edge and then we also have like the bare minimum 
it's right. right. It just depends on where you're at, how much money you have. It's very, it's not as egalitarian as a lot of people would like, but if you have money in the U.S., like there's no place I'd rather be. If I had a serious health, I believe that. I, I do yeah. believe that. Uh, ju- just to stay on this for for a little bit longer. So to say. I guess what's wrong or where, where does it become like a personal thing on you as a physician if as a public policy statement yeah you know we say everyone has a right to access everyone has a right to healthcare mm-hmm. and that's an aspirational statement that we collectively will will you know marshal our resources yeah. and attempt to provide a system that accomplishes that goal but there's no like obligation for you to work your overtime, or there's no obligation for you as you know a physician think, to to, to yeah. work for free. It's more of an aspirational public policy statement. There should I, be I guess, a social safety net. Like I'm, I'm yeah. definitely in favor of that. You know, we should be taking care as a society. We should be taking care of the less fortunate people. But I think there's also an element of personal ownership and personal responsibility for your health that isn't a big part of American society. Like, you have these people, like, you know, they smoke a pack a day, eat McDonald's, like never exercise, and you're like, you want everyone else to pay for you, for your decisions that you make? Seriously? Like, I think Yeah, no, that is a tough one when, like, the McDonald's smoker yeah. comes down with heart disease. You're like, oh, surprise, surprise. Like, it's bad for you. And then they want everyone else to pay for that. I mean, where, where you draw the line on, like, where you help people and where you don't. Yeah, that's interesting. How do you stay on the mats? How do you find time for it? Do you have like certain days where like these are your time slots, or is it just no. like, is it just like, oh shit, I got an hour here, I'm gonna go? Well, this year it's a lot of depends on what month it is. Because right now I have OB guy, which is kind of like time intensive because I'm in labor and delivery. Like I have, to, I have two 24 hour shifts. As What's well. the average labor? Like nine hours? Nah, it depends on like if they it's if it's their first kid or if they've had multiple kids, oh. then it's a lot faster. Um, it, it's really just varies person to person, but uh, to get enough experience, I was on a couple twenty-four hour shifts, and usually is that brutal? Yeah, like I miss sleep for I got a night, call, and I'm like fucked up for three days. I got a call like two thirty in the morning, like this lady's you know five centimeters dilated, like we gotta go, like, like throwing oh clothes to the hospital. What time does that work? So you're at home and you got your phone, you got your phone yeah. on, or how does that work? Yeah, you have phone, or they have if you don't want to go home, they have a, a little bed there, but I'd rather like, go. Like I just drive, um, and usually it's like twelve-hour days every day. So I'm putting like seventy, eighty-hour weeks. Oh my god! On that, yeah. And so when you when so this month, do you have to like map out a time to do it in your week, or do you just like try? Usually and I luck out. out. Like uh, when I'm in a, in the OR this month, I get out early, so I'll, I'll go train. But in the next month, I'm at a much closer location as far as medical office, and less time intensive, so I have more time to train. So it's just month to month, like. The most important thing is just not stop. Because when you stop training and getting back into it sucks. It's like taking time off from working, like working out, going yeah. back in the gym. You're, like, yeah. you're so sore, yeah. you're so tired. And I think the the most important thing is like just don't stop training. Yeah. Because do, do I think I'm gonna ever be a world champion? Probably not. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. Like, like it's clearly not gonna be a. Yeah, uh, it's not my focus. It's not your focus. Yeah. So what do you get out of it now? I think um, the mental creep you grounded. <laughs> Yeah, the shrimps just like keep me keep me so grounded. Uh, I think the camaraderie, like the social aspect, being around people that you know from all walks of life, and and that that kind of mental thing we were talking about earlier, where you don't think about anything else, you just kind of like blank mind. You're in the moment, 
So you don't have to worry about studying or test or patience. You're just like in the moment. And then fit the, the physicality of it because I'm, I'm either like just sitting down so much of the day. Like in the hospital, you're not, you're not physically active that much. Like sometimes you are, but most of the time you're not. You're standing there or sitting. Um, and then to, I don't know, it's just been part of my life for a long time. Yeah. I've been training for like 11 years now. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's a constant in my life. Right, right. Doesn't yeah. make sense to let it go. Yeah. Just, just quickly, do you think that there's like something to be said for going out and touching other humans in like a non, I guess a non like in a play type of way? Yeah. That, that, you know, we used to do as packs and tribes and we no longer, we no longer do. Like, you know, we're at this music festival, so you're kind of bumping into people, but like, you know, it used to be as kids, you would kind of play in the sandbox, right? And that there's kind of something. It is almost play. Yeah. yeah, I haven't thought about it like that, but it, it is because you don't have malice towards the person you're sparring. You know, you yeah. don't, you don't, you're not trying to hurt them. It's like a game. It's a, a kind of high stakes game, but it's still it's play. Really. Yeah, like it's sport. So I think there is something to be said for that. Yeah, I think yeah. about that like in contrast to like the like the office setting where everyone's like so sterilized and everyone's so proper and polite. You know, like. And also, everyone inter- people interact more on social media nowadays than they do like face to face. That it seems hard for people to just kind of get in the sandbox and play. And that's sort of you know one of the things that sort of keeps me, I think, coming back to it. I think there's a form of play. There's a form of self-expression, like how you want to roll. Um, there are definitely those nights where like it's not your night, you know. <laughs> and that's it's a little rough. But then you have those nights where like everything goes like everything goes perfectly for you, and you feel. Like that feeling driving home from training after I like you did really well. It's great, man. You feel like you're on top of the world. Yeah, it is a great feeling. Yeah. All right, brother. We're at about we're at about an hour. I'm gonna let you get out of here. I know you're cool. busy. Thanks for making the time for me. Yeah. Uh, everybody, this has been the ninth episode. Thank you for tuning in from the Golden Nugget. Thank you.